This episode is sponsored by goodboycreative.co, a boutique marketing agency based out of Canada that gives your brand that extra dimension of intelligence and creativity. From content strategy and SEO plus SEM to social content of all kinds to brand identity, even web design and UX UI, Good Boy Creative has you covered. Check them out now at goodboycreative.co backslash Big self. That's goodboycreative.co backslash big self. The world around us is changing faster than ever. We hear people say, everything's a blur. And when we're living in our little self, a self in survival mode, a self that's living out what others believe we should do or who we should be, we compromise our joy. We put limits on ourselves show up day in and day out. We believe we all have a big self and pursuing it is holy work. We also believe that most of us let fear persuade us not to pay attention to it. So we stay in this vicious cycle between fear and entrapment that keeps us playing small. But when we combine an insatiable curiosity to know sit down with Lindsay Medford. She draws on her life experience living with a rare autoimmune disease to offer us broader lessons on what we need to heal that ails us. Her book, My Body and Other Crumbling Empires, points out the beauty and the ubiquity of our limitations. She covers a lot of themes in this book related to social systems and all kinds of different unsustainable communities and practices culturally. Our conversation focuses just more narrowly on how she's doing, how what her experience has been living with this autoimmune disease, and some of her personal takeaways even since she's completed her book. Thanks for tuning in today. Lindsay Medford, welcome to The Big Self Show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, it is a delight to have you. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited for this conversation centered around your, really, your breathtaking book, My Body and Other Crumbling Empires, Lessons for Healing in a World That is Sick. Uh, and and I can't wait to dig into this a little bit. There's so many themes and directions we can go. Uh, but before we do, uh, let's let's begin with this question we've been asking our guests uh, in season five to lead off some of our conversations, and that is, what comes to mind, or what do you think about when you hear the word, the term, big self? And you could possibly. Mm-hmm explore that by comparing and contrasting it with your little self or or not okay yeah i uh been really excited about this term and this idea since i heard about your work in your podcast um because i do i i tend to talk and write a lot about our true selves um Mm -hmm. and 
I do like thinking of of that aspect of ourselves also as our, as our bigger selves. When we're working and acting and relating out of our truest selves and out of a sense of belovedness and a sense of who knowing who we are and you know being okay with that, then we get to be unafraid. Um, I think of a, our big selves as, as being able to let go of so much when we're not able to connect with that self. We, maybe if when we're working out of our smaller self, we go around or we go around defended. And so when we're when we are connected with our big self, perhaps I think of our big self also as being inextricably connected with other beings and other um, our relationships with other people, with God perhaps, um, and perhaps with the earth. And so when we're when we're working out of our sense of who we're created to be and out of sense of our inherent interrelatedness with each other, then we don't have to be afraid of so much. And so our big self gets to show up with all of who we are and let let what comes come. Oh, beautiful. Love that. You know, it's actually very connected to this next question that I wanted to ask you, which is, you know, you, you use your body uh, as, you know, in your experience with your autoimmune disease as a kind of a launching off point for, uh, you know, for going from the physical to the universal, or, you know, we could say from the micro to the macro. Uh, and as a as a launching off point, could you talk about how you felt this sense of uh, disconnection from your body for years, and then what you know? Then this process of beginning to recognize these sources of connection. Could you could you talk about that a little bit? I have a very rare autoimmune vasculitis, and I actually was diagnosed with it as a fairly small child. And so I I would say between like my evangelical upbringing that tended to be, um, I learned to, that the spiritual was much more important and much better than the physical and the physical was kind of gross and suspicious. Mm -hmm. And then I also, I kind of, you know, that felt right to me because I was a sick kid (laughs) and I um, spent a lot of time in my childhood in retrospect sort of trying to escape from um my physical body in some ways and so um by the time I got to college I actually was in remission from my illness but I was still just very much lived in my head and my thoughts um in -hmm. some ways I majored in theology in Christian college because I like to figure things out and that felt like the right way to go about, you know, knowing, figuring things out is, you know, think really hard about God. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I've been on this journey for a really long time of coming to realize that God created us to be really, to be much more integrated with our emotional selves and with our physical bodies. And, um, that, that actually did happen to start in those theology classes when we started talking about uh, incarnation. And so in my Christian tradition, there is no separation actually throughout most of Christian theological history between 
the body and the spirit and the mind and what it means to be human is to be embodied. And Jesus shows us that because Jesus has a body. So I, after sort of starting to go to realize that my, how I thought about myself was not really, didn't really line up with what I actually believed and what, you know, was being passed down to me through this spiritual tradition. Um, I also, you know, started to find this playing out in experience and you grow up and you get to have new experiences and go just went hiking, went, uh, learned a new martial art, uh, became a climber and had a few years of like lots of really beautiful experiences. So the, the third part of that is also I started to volunteer with a, the, with a youth drop-in center and then later with a food pantry and a homeless self-rest situation. And also the third part of that was starting to realize how important our physical bodies are to our, our own ability to show up in the world and in doing justice in the world. Because I think there's a lot of times we, we think or talk about making the world a better place in these like vague abstract terms. And especially in my religious circles, we would do that. And mm -hmm. it became very clear to me interacting more with the people that I wanted to love and who I wanted to learn from that our bodies are so deeply involved in what it means to uh, be in just relationship and right relationship with each other. Um, yeah. So those were my earlier, my early experiences of starting to understand what it means to be more integrated as a as a person and to show up again like with all the parts of myself in in a better relationship with each other well perhaps this is related but i also know that you talk about this idea of having a at times you had this fixing attitude <clears throat> towards your body and you know one of the things that so shelly and i are we would broadly call ourselves transformational coaches over as opposed to transactional. Yeah. And that is, uh, you know, because we first, you know, sometimes I think clients who don't exactly know the way that we approach coaching, they're like, well, you have, you know, a certain amount of time here to fix me. Let's go. Right. And, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, and to your point there, there is this idea of, a lot of times we do have to like steady ourselves and we do um, really pr literally practice like connecting to the body, uh, connecting and then connecting that with like making emotions aware mm -hmm. and then realizing the the way that that tran translates to our thoughts. And, and that's that, you know, so you talk about it to, to your point really is, is this rediscovering yourself and that that is healing. So could you discuss um, like when that shift happened for you in a profound way? I'd say in the six months to a year before I got sick, um, I got married like three or four months before I got sick. And so I, I had started taking this high intensity interval training class in grad school and got really attached to it. And then especially before the wedding, I 
had this really intense sense of like what my body needed to be and what I needed to look like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very much in some ways I really enjoyed that class. Like I, that was a way that I connected with my body. And then in some ways that was a way that I tried to seek a lot of control over my body. Um, mm. and then, so when I got sick, like rather suddenly could not really, you know, I went from doing some sort of physical exercise every day for sure. And then intense interval training three or four times a week to, um, to just being on the couch. (laughs) Mm. And I, we had just gotten a puppy and I would have to like walk her maybe less than a quarter mile across the apartment complex to get to this field where she could run around. And like, that was it for the day. And Mm. so that I just bring up interval training to contrast it a little bit where I had felt so connected to my body in this one way, but I also didn't fully understand how much I was really actually using my body for what it could do. Not really for me, but to like appear correct for other people. So it took me a long time of really resenting the situation, resenting my body before it even occurred to me to change how I understood the situation of going back to this whole fixing idea about to try and understand what an immune system is, what autoimmunity is. I came to understand that the immune system is super, super complex um, and super interrelated with all the other systems of our body, even more than like the cardiovascular system, which goes throughout your body it's you can still kind of like point to what it is right (laughs) and the immune system is just like all of it like your the cells are made in your bone marrow and then they reside in your gut and they are on your skin like all of this of course so and that's one of the tough parts about having an autoimmune disease as i understand is that (laughs) sometimes you don't appear sick to others Right. Yeah. You don't always look sick. And mm-hmm. to get back to back all the way around to the fixing question, it became clear that any any way we could come up with to just like yank some lever and try and whack things back to normal just didn't even make sense with the reality of what was going on. Um okay. And understanding the complexity of the system allowed me to understand how many different inputs were contributing to my body's ability to heal itself or not. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I started to realize how much was actually available to me to support my body and how much my immune system actually, if it was, if it was, meant to defend me was there some possibility that it was trying to defend me against something I had not recognized before right as as an assailant (laughs) and as I did more of these experiments and came to understand more of what just the usually very simple things it started it takes to support this system to operate it back in balance 
bringing this system back into balance with itself and with the rest of my body and then bringing my life back into a balance that I didn't know it was missing. It meant understanding how I was interacting with cultures and systems all around me mm-hmm. and with myself, uncovering how I had been so driven by ambition and by just the general expectations of what it means to be young and educated and successful that I had overloaded myself with stress when actually my body was asking to be supported and recognized as a partner. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you do talk about this like overworking perfectionistic tendency and, and that is a broader cultural milieu that we live in a zeitgeist, I guess you could say that so much so that you even like you, you were, I guess, surprised that it permeated the church culture that you were in as well. I know that at times you've obviously like, you know, like any person would, you've been um, sort of very frustrated with the autoimmune um, experience and like kind of wrestling with like, well, what I thought God was calling me to change the world. God, is this really what you have for me? And because you were you were buying into that whole idea of wanting to be super productive. Uh, where are you right now with um, that struggle or um, trying to discern or understand the reality of what life or or God is um, is bringing to you. Well, I love that question. It has evolved from where from just the story that I tell in the book um, because mm. I uh, have learned even more how to live with this illness and I'm just not as sick as I was when I was in the crux of like. I really don't know if I'm ever going to accomplish like a single thing ever in my life, you know, Mm. not, not even just accomplish anything, but just not need like care from other people. Even the biggest thing is that since I've gone through this whole experience of like coming to understand that God has in life have things for me, to be far more than things for me to do. Uh, Mm. I've also, through putting that into practice and observing it in other people and living my life, I also have come to really think that that is actually the only way that the world does change. Uh, We we change how we are within it and how we relate to one another within it. Um, Far more than, you know, what programs we implement or what skills we learn and sort of um, deploy upon a situation. (laughs) There's no substitute for being within our big self and being able to bring all of who we are to a situation. Um, I think even when we think about very concrete problems, it's very easy to overlook these kinds of aspects of how what the relationships are within these systems or how important it is for people to be able to show up as themselves 
for all of our like tweaks and tools to actually work the way we want them to. I mean, to be very specific, I, my husband and I have moved from Charleston to Chattanooga so that we could be their friends and family so that we could, um, so we knew that we would have the support in place and the relationships in place to Mm -hmm. do some of the things we do feel called to in life, like be good neighbors, like be a part of our neighborhood, be um, involved in the community through activism or, or something of that nature. Um, regardless of how, whether, you know, what my physical future holds. Yeah. You know, well, one of the aspects to, um, that you discuss in your book where it's, it's not just, you don't just make it like, Hey, you, you use your story as a launching off to connected to, as the subtitle says, a world that healing for a world that is sick. And, if, uh, you know, of course, it can get overwhelming. I think that you've mentioned that just the last few minutes to think of all of the world's problems uh, <laughs> systemically. Um, but and and I, I know you, you talk in, in these parts about disconnection is you say profitable to empire. And I, I think that's interesting. And I know that we can, you know, you, you kind of can follow the money. So in a way, it strikes me that, you know, our culture is so disconnected and that our communities are disintegrating right before even as Mm -hmm. so we're beginning, we're beginning to actually have researchers uh, trumpet the need for community. And, you know, and while it is well received and, and, you know, of, of course, like, I really appreciate the message, but I do find it somewhat ironic that we're having to have scientific research to prove what seems incredibly obvious <laughs> to thousands probably of years of a human, the human need for community. How do we, maybe how can we find healing? I know this is going to be a broad question, but how do we, revisit this idea of finding accessing more community to create this humbly creating this more healthy and whole society uh make friends again with discomfort mm-hmm. from like as simple as the the discomfort of like i ride the bus sometimes and putting down my phone and talking to the person on the bus even though like I don't know where that interaction is going sometimes it goes kind of south sometimes it's just awkward sometimes but I love that and I just to to what you're saying there we just talked to Scott Simon on the podcast and he was his message is do one thing that scares you every day and it can be little Mm -hmm. things but just keep practicing that and it is basically to that point of of just small little discomforts and and just practicing that muscle actually does lead to this greater joy and fulfillment that we are lacking. Yeah, and I and I think those practices are so invaluable too and we start to talk about also trying to relate across the many differences of our society right now. 
Um, whether it's just the people we disagree with politically or whether mm-hmm. it's people across race or across ability, across um, sexuality, etc. So there's the discomfort part. And I actually, I also want to bring in actually, I think this might be even more important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paying attention to how good it feels to be connected and be in community. I mean, even with the bus example, I, you know, 80% of the time I walk into the rest of my day after chatting with a stranger for 10 minutes, feeling better about the world and myself and my day. And when I, but and when I invest time and energy and money perhaps into spending time with my close friends or family, I can measure a physical difference in my own health. Um, (laughs) I can also just look at, you know, the rest of my day or the rest of my week and say, wow, that really felt like, like fulfilling something about who I am. It felt like belonging to this world in a way that I often miss. And I, going back to like hustle and productivity culture and fixing Mm -hmm. it's so easy to pay attention to what is wrong it's even easy to be like man I know I know in my heart that I should spend more time with my neighbors I'm just so bad at that if only I could you know if only I was a good party hoster or (laughs) you know I've got to put that on my list to get better at that what if we just like Notice when we did run into our neighbor and have a conversation with them. Notice when we do put the effort in to connect with people and really paid close attention to how that trickles into the rest of our lives, into our ability to be from our big self in the rest of our days and our lives. Many of us are actually truly suspicious of our own pleasure in our own just sense of joy in the world. We, we're, it's there's so much, so much else to pay attention to. You forget how powerful that is. Put a sign. I, we have met most of our neighbors on the street from being outside on the porch or going around to introduce ourselves. And I put a sign on our, like a not very nice sign that I made yesterday in our front yard that says porch drinks Friday, five 30. And uh, ran into a couple people. Why? Wait, why was that not a very nice sign? No, it doesn't look nice. Oh, I see. Because that seems house, like a very inviting sign to me. I'd no, it's I'd be a great like, sign, let's have some fun. But it's ugly, and in some ways, it's oh. intentionally ugly because I'm not trying to make a production. Yeah, of it. I'm not trying to be the best at forcing community upon my life (laughs) or upon anyone else. It's just like the invitation is there. I love that. So there are these simple things. So we we make it, when we, when we turn it into a big problem, which it is, and it's like, Oh man, we got to get on this. We got to make a committee. But actually we can start so small and so simple. We're having, um, speaking of neighbors and having people over, we're having our, um, Episcopal friends, our, our church over tomorrow on a Saturday for um, for a, a, a little communion neighborhood service. And to, you know, your point, it's like, 
at a certain, you know, I've, I've already been like, well, I got to mow, we got to mow the lawn and we got to clean the house and we got to do, and it's like, no, no, you don't, honestly, you know, it's like the, the house can be, I mean, yeah, you know what, I'm going to mow the lawn, but, uh, but maybe more comfortable. Yeah. But it's like, um, it is this idea that we have this impression management. I want, there's this thing of like, well, I just want everybody to see, you know, just what a, and I'm like, nobody cares. Right. It's, they want to be, we want to be together and that will be rewarding in its own way of, of, having a little bit of community, even though maybe it's the tiniest bit uncomfortable to like have to clean the house or mow the lawn a little bit, but yes, the reward is there. So and to you your still point. have to get a bunch of crap off the porch, but actually <laughs> right. I will make a point to just to add to that, that the point of doing love, like porch drinks, we're going to have yeah. some leftover beers and chips and dip and not clean the house because it's supposed to be an outside event. Yeah. That it is sustainable. Like the the idea is to do it every week or two. And if I do it any more than that, it's going to turn into this whole thing. And the neighbors are going to be like, what is this? What? It's, it's like a big thing. And it's so much more sustainable when we start really small, yes. and really simple, and really unimpressive. And, you know, I really just want everyone to, to know about your book. When was it released? When was official? What's that? March, March 23. March. So it's very, it's very recent. My Body and Other Crumbling Empires. I don't even know. It's kind of a hybrid. It's a, it's a memoir that launches into some social activism uh, ideas, the idea that we need healing in, in our world. It's, it's a beautifully written book. Uh, I... Um, I find it, it's really, it's moving. We will put it in the show notes and I hope that the world can get to uh, know about it a little bit more. Thank you for, you know, taking some of your time and energy to, um, to share your thoughts with us uh, on, on the Big Self Show. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This is a gift to me as well. We are all about big ideas and how to integrate them to live a more sustainable life, to open up your learning, level up your self-awareness and consciousness, and move from surviving to thriving to even flourishing. And I think what Lindsay Medford is sharing with us today is fundamentally about listening. Our bodies are trying to tell us something that we don't often want to listen to, but we force and control our bodies to fall in line with cultural expectations that we're barely even conscious of. It can lead to burnout of all kinds in the body, in our emotions, in the cognitive processes of our head, and even ultimately our souls. And also there is this wonderful, liberating simplicity in the ways in which we are called to be simpler, even developing and calling others into community or dealing with the small discomforts of talking to strangers. It can be done in humble, ordinary ways that just brings us a little more into connection on a daily basis. You know where to find us for connection, for deeper learning at BigSelfSchool.com.